Hey App Growth Community, welcome back to the App Growth Show, where we host mobile experts to unlock valuable and actionable insights on how you can grow your app. No matter where you are in your app growth journey, we're here to help you reach your mobile growth goals. Let's dive right into today's episode. Today, we're so excited to be joined by Nico Johnson, Marketing Manager at 10% Happier. Its founder, Dan Harris, is actually the author to 10% Happier, the New York Times bestseller. He then went on and co-founded the 10% Happier app. And over the course of the pandemic, 10% Happier has seen tremendous growth, becoming one of the most successful health and fitness apps on the market today. Let's welcome Nico and Jennifer to share more about 10% Happier's journey of growth. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of App Growth Network Show. I'm Jennifer Sansone and I am here today. I'm very excited to introduce Nico Johnson from 10% Happier. Hello, Nico. Hey, thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. So as we get started, um, let's keep it simple. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about 10% Happier? Absolutely. So I'm a marketer focused on customer acquisition. And five or six years ago, I was mostly buying media and optimizing those buys. And I'd say that in the last couple of years, though, I've learned how to be more hands-on during the creative production process and gotten a feel for the types of processes that really make marketing teams as a whole successful rather than just from the media buying side of things. Um, That's me in a nutshell. And uh, 10% Happier is a meditation app that focuses on bringing high quality and diverse um, sets of teachers into one app. Um, Rather than just giving people a way to relax, there's also a really big focus on providing wisdom that's applicable to everyday life. Awesome. Um, Yeah. And I've noticed, you know, 10% Happier has really gotten a lot of press out there, um, you know, on making the list of the best meditation apps out there. And, you know, Dan Harris is, you know, such a, he's kind of like the face of the brand. Um, you know, he's such a, a famous person being the, the ABC uh, news anchor for so long and a best-selling author. Um, I'm curious as to how much of an influence is, is his celebrity status on the overall success of the app? Like how much of a part does that play? Yeah, I'd say it definitely had a very large part um, in helping the app kind of get off the ground. Um, So long story short, there was an app before 10% that was focused on creating kind of like short courses on helpful life skills and all sorts of different things. And they brought, this is right around Dan right around the time that Dan released his book, 10% Happier, they brought him on to make like a meditation for skeptics type course. And it was by far the most popular thing that they had produced up to that point. And so the two co-founders of that original app decided to pivot into making the app all about meditation. And then at that time brought on Dan as a third co-founder. And so the app definitely benefited from Dan's, um, like, I guess, celebrity status early on, even though he likes to describe himself as like a, I think a D-list celebrity. <laughs> um, it's kind of his, his little quip, but um, yeah, anyway, it was 
the, the app benefited from that early on, but it was really his approach um, that people liked more than just knowing him in general. It was a, it's a really fresh take on meditation, a really inquisitive um, probing side of, uh, you know, he just uh, like applies the journalistic rigor that he uses in when he was with ABC and um, as a reporter, he brings that to meditation. And that's just a really fresh way of looking at something that's generally pretty like, that can be really saccharine for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. I would, I would agree with that. I'm actually a big fan of the app. And that is one of the things that um, I've dabbled in, in several of them. And that is one of the things that stands out is, you know, his approach is just so, you know, no BS. It's very relatable. Mm -hmm. He's very real. So I can, I can see how, you know, that's, that's contributed to the overall, um, overall app success. It's just him being that person who, at the end of the day, just seems like the guy sitting next to you that struggles just as much as you do. And, you know, thinks meditation can, he even says, you know, it can suck sometimes, right? Because it's, yeah. it's not always easy, right? But um, no, so that, that's pretty cool. Uh, I just want to take a step back for a second. Um, just the health and fitness category in general. Um, how would you describe the, the current state of, of how that's going these days? Yeah, well, I guess at the risk of sounding cliche, everything with iOS 14 was undeniably a sea change and the whole app industry has been affected. But that said, my impression is that the subscription-based health and fitness apps have fared quite a bit better than some of the other apps, like, like gaming, for instance, where um, they were constantly and relentlessly optimizing toward um, lifetime value with paid acquisition. Um, on the other hand, with, with health and fitness and other like longer term subscription apps, you can, um, there's much more signal that can be had in, on a day one basis, which just kind of lends itself better to the whole iOS change. Um, like for instance, a lot of people who start a trial with health and fitness apps probably do so on, on day one, um, within like the first hour of opening the app. And um, like that's just really important signal to be getting and really helpful. Um, and those app those those app events weren't as affected by iOS 14. So um, I would say health and fitness kind of dodged a bullet from a paid acquisition standpoint. They can still work with a lot of the networks that were affected in a really big way with iOS 14 without too much change to their operations. Um, but at the same time the health and fitness category has never been more competitive and breaking into the app space, whether in health and fitness or otherwise, just isn't easy. And there's no two ways about it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you bring up a, a really good point. So um, kind of bringing it back then to 10% happier, you know, at the beginning, at the stages of, of growth, at what stage would you say that you guys um, encountered the, the the biggest hurdles? Like was it acquisition stage or was it engagement, uh, monetization? What what stage seemed to be the most challenging? Yeah, that's really, it's an interesting question because I think we've, we've gone through waves of dealing with one issue more than the other. Um, the early days where there was just really rapid growth. It was like on an exponential curve 
Um, and that was due in large part to um, Dan's celebrity status. And also he released his second book, Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics, um, after the launch of the app. And so it kind of benefited from, from that. Um, and using all of that while it was fresh was really conducive to getting paid acquisition to work. But, um, you know, everything gets stale after a while. And so at, at one point, like Dan's approach wasn't as new anymore. It had been around for three or four years. And at that point, we found ourselves like trying to work with acquisition material that had been working for two or three years, but in its fourth year just wasn't, you know, as compelling. And so at that point we had to take a step back and get really um, intentional with how we did our creative testing, um, you know, just establishing much more um, almost rigid processes that we were executing on a weekly or biweekly cadence to, to really make sure that we were finding new wins on the creative front and keeping that, like avoiding stagnation on the acquisition front. But um, yeah, and then I guess with engagement, that, that's, it, it rears its head every now and then, um, but we certainly um, saw a spike in engagement during the pandemic, which isn't really a surprise. And then to kind of keep that going, we've used challenges, sort of like these time-gated, um, events that deal with a specific topic or theme that you can invite friends to do with you. Um, those are, are great for little engagement boosts and that kind of like re-engage our um, existing audience um, and keeps them with us. Um, so yeah, you know, we're always testing new things to, to address all of those issues. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about these challenges because that is one of the things that, that stood out to me as well. They're very they're very catchy. They're very interesting, uh, like the Taming Anxiety Challenge. The I thought the Ted Lasso Challenge was was particularly clever. And um, actually, I, I did it, and it was fun to do, and uh, just to see you know the, the content that was behind it. So um, it seems like those come up pretty often. Is that because it's a you know the gamification aspect um, works well for for you guys? Um, yeah. So we're doing them a lot, and you'll see them with more regularity. Gamification is an interesting word. Um, like when I think of a game, I think of something with a win or a lose outcome. Um, and without getting, or like at the risk of getting too philosophical here, we're, we're not really in the business of helping you win at meditation. And most meditation teachers would tell you that's, that there's pretty much no such thing as winning at meditation. Um, like I guess, unless you consider becoming enlightened as winning the game, in which case, Whew, you've uh, you've got your uh, work cut out for you there, but good luck. <laughs> yeah, right. So I guess ultimately, I would say we're more interested in giving people a reason to come back to the app. And for us, we know that we're able to do that when we're able to help people notice the progress that they're making on their in their meditation practice. And so either by like making that progress more complete or, or, or concrete, I mean. Um, or helping them explore a new angle to meditation. Um, those are the kinds of things that help get people coming back. Um, I mean, the tricky corollary to that is that we need to meet a variety of different people 
where they're at. Um, people are solving for very different things in life, whether it's work stress or parenting stress, um, emotional pain around a traumatic event. You know, the, the list goes on, but having fresh content in the lines of, like along the lines of challenges, that's one way that we can address all these different issues that come up in different people's lives. And it's just our way of covering either like a diverse set of, uh, of needs for a diverse audience. That's great. And also another thing is, you know, the, the meditations themselves are very digestible. They're, you know, maybe 10 minutes long They're um, And is, and is that done intentionally for, you know, either beginners or for, you know, people who just kind of get overwhelmed at the thought of the meditation process? Yeah, it, it kind of goes back to meeting people where they're at. We know that some people newer to meditation don't really want to be sitting still for more than five minutes. And then eventually they're able to up it to 10, 15, 20. But the people who have been in our app for a year or longer eventually start craving these um, like 30 minute, sometimes an hour of, of just straight meditation and um yeah, it's important for us to be able to, to, to deliver on flexibility because um, at any one time, there are just a handful of different personas using that. Um, so kind of, you know, you've, the, the app is doing great. It's, it's very popular. Just the looking back on the journey to, to get to that point, is there anything that maybe you would have done differently or maybe your team that you think uh, any changes you would, you would have made or, or approached in a different way? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, with iOS 14 coming into effect, I think everyone is now kind of forced to rethink attribution and how to try out new channels. But um, for apps that that use these monthly subscriptions or annual subscriptions, relying on last click attribution has always been kind of suspect. Um, and that's really what you're getting with with Facebook and most MMPs. Um, and in my mind, like first click or where someone first heard of you is, is much more important than what ultimately makes them convert. Um, so to that end, I wish we had had a how did you hear about us survey, kind of like having that data going back to day one. Um, that would have been really helpful. Um, and we didn't really implement that until um, about a year and a half ago where everybody was reliably getting that survey. Um, but basically like, it's really important for just allowing a customer to, to signal how they found you rather than um, relying on an MMP or advertising platform that's just like, it's essentially the assigning or taking all the credit, whereas it's a much more nuanced picture and a, survey really lets you kind of get to the bottom of that. Um, so yeah, that, that's one thing that I wish we had um, just kind of fleshed out a little bit earlier. That's super insightful. That's, re that's really interesting to hear that. Um, um, and kind of moving forward. So, you know, a lot of uh, our listeners might be, you know, interested in this topic for a variety of reasons, whether it's health and fitness, whether they're looking to, you know, put a health and fitness app into the market or they have a health and fitness app and just kind of want to get some, some tricks of the trade. Um, you know, what new trends do you see coming for this category? Um, 
so kind of, you know, in a way positioning it as like words of advice to people who are looking to break through in this category, not necessarily meditation per se, but, you know, in, in any type of app in the health and fitness uh, category, what, what would be kind of your, your uh, vision for where you see this category going and how people can maybe break through and, and be successful? Good question. Um, I've, I've really been intrigued by the community aspect that's kind of wriggling into most of the health and fitness apps. I mean, um, Strava is kind of a, a favorite of mine um, to, to kind of look back on. And um, you just see something, you, you see Tempson Happier doing something similar, you know, with, with challenges and the ability to invite friends. And there's really just something powerful about community um, and being able to foster it in an app. Um, it's certainly not for, for every app. It, it doesn't make sense for every app to have a community aspect, but I think that you'll see um, a lot of successful health and fitness apps that are like successfully leveraging um, community in some way. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. So, um, so maybe, you know, for people looking into that, if it makes sense for their app, you know, maybe that's something that is probably going to be trending even more you know, people trying to figure out a community component um, to to their app. Do you see that being something that's going to become more popular? I think so. Um, again, I think it, it really depends on on the app, but um, you, you see, it's it's actually a really interesting time for community because, on the one hand. Um, you have the ultimate community uh, maker, Facebook, kind of like pulling back and focusing more on these sort of like private conversations and um, connecting with with friends closely. Um, and I think that's probably the trend to watch is just apps that allow people to to connect on a deeper level with the people they care about. And health and fitness is one is like a fairly intimate thing in people's lives i'll go back to strava but like physical exercises it's, it's a it's a core identity for a lot of the people using strava they're avid cyclists or swimmers and they want to be able to share that passion with other people um and have being able to have a community around that is kind of is like a big way that they're able to sustain that passion and learn more about it dive deeper into it um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if other health and fitness apps are able to tap into um, that kind of passion through community. Great. Well, Nico, I think that's all of our questions. So I uh, just want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and sharing your insights from both 10% Happier and just the, the industry in general. So thank you so much. Sure thing. It was my pleasure. Glad I could be here. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining today's episode of the App Growth Show. It was incredible to get a behind-the-scenes view of the different mobile marketing strategies 10% Happier implemented to accelerate their growth. We hope you were able to take away some actionable insights to apply to your health and fitness app. 10% Happier is actually a client of the App Growth Network 
We are a leading North American app marketing agency. And if you're interested to learn more about how 10% Happier grew with us, please visit appgrowthnetwork.com. And that's appgrowthnetwork.com to book your free call with us today to supercharge your mobile growth. We hope to see you in the next episode. Bye for now.